And I think it's better to have even like just one or two projects in your portfolio that you like and are the type of work you want to be doing rather than padding it out with with stuff you don't like and, and wouldn't enjoy doing again. Welcome to Design Life, a podcast about design and side projects for motivated creatives. My name is Femke. And my name is Charlie. Today's episode topic comes by way of one of our community members, Razvan, I think is how you pronounce his name, but please correct me if I'm wrong. Um, we, we asked what people were struggling with at the moment, because we always want to make sure that these episodes are useful for you and that we're talking about the kinds of things that you're going through, as well as you know the things that we are going through in the moment. And I thought that what Razvan had to say was a really interesting topic. So let me read out his comment. He said, is it good taking projects only for the money when you know that you'll never be able to showcase them in your portfolio or how to deal with clients that have their own ideas, but the ideas are just bad ones. And in the end, the project is unusable for your portfolio. He said, I'm struggling with this right now and I really want a second opinion. I want to improve my design skills and my portfolio, but I also need the money. So what should I do? Stop taking projects for a while and learn better design and improve my skills in order to aim big for bigger projects and bigger clients. How would you do it? So this is an interesting topic to discuss. This like battle, I suppose, between wanting to earn the money and wanting the portfolio worthy projects, unfortunately, are not always one and the same. So that's what we're going to talk about today, about how Fem and I approach this early on in our career. And if we still struggle with it now, should be a good discussion, I think. First though, Fem, how are things going? Any updates to share on any side projects? What have you been working on? How's your life? <laughs> My life is is pretty good. I am, well, you know, we're approaching Christmas. And so it feels like that hectic time of year when all of a sudden things need to be done by the end of the year and people yeah. are traveling and you, you need to organize things. So I'm kind of entering that sort of like last minute end of the year panic mode a little bit with December sort of becoming a quick reality. So I'm, I'm doing well. Side projects are all going very well. I I don't know. Since I got back from the States a couple months ago, listeners, if you remember, I was away for work for a little while. I have been struggling to continue getting up early at my regular time of 6 a.m. I don't know, just the jet lag must have like really hit me bad when I got back and I have gotten a bit lazy and been getting up more sort of like 6.37, which is still probably yeah. early for a lot of people. A lot of people will come that as early. Yeah, not lazy. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but for me, it's I, I've fallen out of that habit, that routine mm. of waking up early and especially with the end of the year approaching where I'm feeling more busy and more tired. It's just been harder to get up earlier. So one of my goals this week is to try and get up at six at least two times this week and sort of slowly get back into that routine of, of getting up early because I, I miss the morning time. I, I really like it sucks when your alarm goes off at six and you have that 30 seconds of I don't want to do it. But then once you're actually up, at least for me, once I'm actually up. I, I really enjoy it. It's super nice. It's super quiet. I can get things done before my work day. So I don't need to think about it while I'm at work because I've already done it. So yeah, that's kind of where I am right now. End of the year approaching, stressing a little bit, also trying to get up earlier again. Yeah. Well, I went through this as well after my America trip in the middle of the year. 
it took me months to get back on track. Weird. So. It's like, I don't know what something it is. about that time zone change, I think, that it just, it's super hard to sync yourself back up when you get back. I don't know. It's weird. But also, I've never had that problem with any other America trip before, so I don't oh, know why weird. this one was particularly bad, so I don't know. <laughs> weird. How are you? Well, I had a mini production line going over the weekend uh, with my Patreon that I promise I'll stop talking about soon. <laughs> no, I love hearing it's, about it. It's still underway, this whole dealing with the launch week offers, well, launch 24 hours offers that I gave. Uh, one of the benefits, I guess is the word for it, was a print from my wall art collection. And so because I had like 130 people sign up in that first 24 hours, that meant I had to print 130 prints. And I do them all by hand. They're hand-pulled screen prints. So I had to buy the paper and print them all. I had them laying out all across my flat, drying. <laughs> and uh, in the earlier, the start of this week, I've been packaging them all, printing out labels, stressing myself, going through spreadsheets and figuring out which labels <laughs> didn't print. <laughs> oh my gosh, you have been a yeah. busy bee. Yes, this is why I don't really do much with physical products. It's such a... It's it's a lot, but so, it's pretty cool to know that all these prints are going to be heading out to everyone all around the world, like all over the place. It's really exciting. And knowing that a little piece of my art will be hanging in people's houses. That is super awesome. And so do you just show up at the post office with bags and bags of <laughs> things to post? Or how does that work? Well, how I'm going to do it is since they're all the same weight, right, because they've got exactly the same contents, every package, I'm going to just go and buy all the stamps that I need from the little like uh, self-service kiosk and yeah. stick them all on myself. And then when I turn up at the post office, I can just be like, here, post these. Oh my gosh. Than, Hello, please work out how to make me buy a stamp for each one of these 130 things. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be so rewarding though once you send them and I'm sure people will send you photos of, of it hanging in yeah, the house. So. will be super, super nice. Yeah. So that's me. Just, yeah, being shipping and packaging and printing and doing that stuff which has been nice actually to get off the computer you know and yeah. I mean I've been on the computer for spreadsheets but I've been doing a lot with my hands lately which I don't really get the excuse to do very often so mm -hmm. yeah that's always a nice change so I guess let's jump into today's episode I want to start by addressing Razvan's question and I feel like this you know, this feeling of should I take on the project only for the money? Like what if I don't want to showcase it in my portfolio? I feel like this kind of problem or challenge is something that is quite common for like new freelancers or, or early stage designers. I don't know about you, Charlie, but I felt like when I was sort of starting design and, and getting my feet wet with freelancing that every piece of work that I did or every project that I took on would have to lead or, or end up being this fully fleshed out case study and I'd have to showcase it on my portfolio. I just felt like every piece of work I did naturally would end up, you know, on my website or something like that. And I think when you think of it that way, that definitely does influence your decisions on whether you should take a project or not, because I think you're kind of in this mindset of, oh, well, would this project make me look good as a designer or would this project be be something cool that I could talk about and share? And And yes, sometimes it is good to take on those kind of projects that you can turn into a really nice case study and are a good showcase of your work. But 
I think also as a freelancer, sometimes you have to take on those projects that maybe aren't this big, amazing project that is going to look super good on your portfolio. And in that case, I don't think you have to put it on your portfolio. I personally think it's perfectly fine to take on work and not have it end up as a showcase piece. I agree. And I think this the pressure to have your work be a portfolio piece comes early on in the design and freelancing stage, like you said, because you don't have that body of work yet that is getting you the clients that you want. And so you know on some level that you need to be putting out there the kind of work that you want more of because that's what people are going to do. So if you really want to do web design, but your portfolio is full of logo design, people are going to hire you for logo design rather than web design most of the time because that's what you're showcasing as your skills. So yeah, there's this situation of wanting to be working on the types of projects that you want to do more of, but if they're not the ones coming along, then what should you do? I think that's when it gets a bit, I don't know, difficult to decide because if you keep taking on the projects that are coming just because they're good money or, you know, the right ones aren't coming along, then you're never going to be getting the projects that you need to put in your portfolio, right? It's like a catch-22 situation. So, yeah. This is a tough situation and I have been in it before. I've definitely done work just for the money that I would not put in my portfolio by any means. And I think the later you get on in your design career, the less of a worry this becomes because you'll already have a portfolio, right? Like I probably at this stage would do like one or two projects a year that would I would consider portfolio worthy. Not that I've updated my portfolio for quite a few years, but <laughs> anyway, like I... The vast majority of the work I do, I love and I think it's great, but it's I wouldn't say it's better than the work that's already in my portfolio or it doesn't showcase something incredibly different, so there's no need to put it in there, you know. So, yeah, the, the further you get into your career, the less of a worry this becomes, but, yeah, in those early stages, it's definitely an issue. Can you think of any times, Fem, when you've done work just for the money? That I don't know, any examples you want to share that came along where you had this conundrum of like, should I take it or should I not take it? And I don't know, wait for the right thing to come along. Well, so in my experience, I took on almost every project that came my way initially. And I also put all of them on my portfolio, even if I wasn't amazed by it myself or wasn't necessarily proud of it myself. And the reason that I did that is because I was focused on quantity in my portfolio rather than quality. Yeah. So my initial portfolio, I, I actually think it's still live. Ooh, my, my, can we go look at it? I, I'll, I'll put it in the show notes if, it, if it's true. <laughs> uh, but my initial portfolio, if you take a look at it, is extremely scattered. Like you, when you look at it, you don't get a sense of oh, Femke's a brand designer or Femke's Mm -hmm. an illustrator because there's such a vast array of projects in there. Some of them are print design, some are web design, some of them are hand lettering, some of them are apparel. Like it's such a mix. And the reason it is that way is because I just dumped every project that I did up on there because I was so focused on having this body of work to sort of, I guess, maybe like prove that I was a designer or show I can do all of these amazing things. And I think I felt like it would position me as more of an attractive person to work with if I have enormous amounts of work that are also really diverse. And I, I think it's common to feel that way initially when you start and that 
I mean, I'm assuming maybe Razvan kind of feels that way as well, that he needs to build up this quant- like a certain quantity or this body, this amount of work to have on his portfolio. And it's totally normal to feel that way because you sort of want to validate that I'm a designer and, and I'm available to do work. Uh, but now, a, a few years later, I, I don't know about you, Charlie, but for me, I, I'm i much more focused when I look at other designers' portfolios, for example, on the quality of work and not necessarily the quantity, but I'd, I'd rather see like, I don't know, three to six really quality, long, good pieces of work rather than like 30 random projects where often sometimes it's just a photo and there's like no extra context or explanation around the work. Yep, I totally agree. This is the advice I always give in my portfolio review videos as well, that it's better to have less projects that are more in depth and, you know, cover a specific, you know, needs in your portfolio. So for example, in mine, I've got ones showing an example of creating a directory. So it's like working with content that can be added over time one that's an example of a landing page so it's like to sell a certain thing or like have a certain action that sort of thing so that all your projects are achieving something different and have a different purpose in your portfolio yeah i think also like reading Razvan's question like initially he says is it good taking projects only for the money when you know that you will never showcase it in your portfolio i think maybe there, there is more benefit to taking on a project than just being able to showcase it in your portfolio. And what I mean is that if this project is going to give you certain skills or give you some kind of experience or maybe you'll learn something new that you could take on, maybe you'll learn a particular skill or something like that that you could take on into a next project, then I think that itself is is equally valuable, if not sometimes more, than the ability to put it in your portfolio. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't think being able to put a piece of work in a portfolio is always necessarily the end sort of goal or thing to achieve. No, I agree. But I also want to address the situation where what he says in the second part of his question of like, what if the client has their own ideas and it just, the project ends up a mess. I don't know about you, yeah. but I have definitely had my fair share of projects where it ends and I'm like, I definitely don't want anyone to know that I designed this, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Like, it happens in your design career. It just happens. Mm -hmm. Luckily for me, that's not really happened in the past few years. I think it's a thing that you deal with early on when you are more, you know, just trying to take on the work because you need the money and you can't be as choosy because you don't haven't built the name and the reputation for yourself yet to be getting the right type of projects coming your way. But yeah, it has happened that the project ends up and I didn't learn anything. I am quite frankly embarrassed by it and would never want to put it in my portfolio so the only benefit to it was the money. And in that case, I just want to make sure that you're not filling your time with those projects. And if those are the only paying projects that you're getting, make sure you are hustling really hard on the side to be working on some sort of side project that showcases the type of work you do want to be doing so that you can get that up in your portfolio and start attracting those types of clients. Because that's, I don't know, I think it's a path to feeling super discouraged with your work if you get in this cycle of doing the wrong kind of work and never having the right kind of work to showcase so you can't get the right kind of work. And yeah, it's a vicious cycle. It can be. And every now and then a project that you absolutely hate and are embarrassed by is okay. It's fairly normal in the beginning stages, I think. But you don't want to end up in a situation where that's all you do. 
Yeah, that is really hard because it's usually out of your control. And it's always disheartening when you think like you are really optimistic when you start and you think it's going to be a great project and you're looking forward to putting it in your portfolio at the end. But then things kind of go south. And if, if you're not proud of it, then don't put it in your portfolio. I, I think that's probably one piece of advice that I can give because I I just put things up on my portfolio that I wasn't proud of. And there's various reasons why you're not proud of your work. Maybe it's something that you did and you you think maybe I didn't make the right decision, design decisions, or or maybe like in Razvan's case, the, the client had a bad idea and you were kind of cornered and couldn't really do anything about it and you just had to run with it and you know, you end up not being proud of it. So there's various reasons why you might not be proud of the work. And I I would recommend don't don't put it on your portfolio because as soon as you put it on your portfolio, there's always going to be a chance that either A, someone will ask you about it and you'll be in a position where you have to talk about it, or B, someone will come to you saying, oh, I like that piece of work you did in your portfolio. Can you make that for me? And and then you're in this position where you've attracted a new client that wants similar work based on something you already produced that you're not proud of. And then so you're going to be in the same position again, which is definitely not not the best place to be. And I think it's better to have even like just one or two projects in your portfolio that you like and are the type of work you want to be doing rather than padding it out with with stuff you don't like and, and wouldn't enjoy doing again. Would you agree with that, Fem? Yeah, I would. Even though one or two projects sounds like not many and like not enough to be a portfolio, but I don't know. I just think that portfolios are definitely quality over quantity, but work itself isn't necessarily quality over quantity in the early stages because you need money to live, right? And I don't I don't like the idea of the starving artist and, and that sort of thing. I just, I don't believe in it. I think that we all have value to add to the world and we all deserve to be paid for that value. And so you should be paid for your work. Um, And if that means just working as essentially like a computer operator rather than being a super creative designer for, for a few projects just to get the money you need, then it's worth it. But only if you're putting that money in, like, you know, time you gain from that money into designing the right type of projects. I can think of in my early days in my career, I don't know, I just designed so many things that I I designed something and then whatever changes the, the client suggested, I made them all, no matter what, right? Uh, because yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like there's an element to Rosvan's question here where I, I just want to stress that it's your job to work with the client and bring them the best solution. So if they have a bad idea, you should definitely not just shut up and accept it, you know? You should question them on it and explain your thoughts and why you think it's not the best direction. Like, don't tell the client it's a bad idea in those words because they're probably not going to like hearing that. But it is your job as the designer to get the best solution. And if they absolutely insist, which, yes, some of them unfortunately will, then you go with it. Try and make the best of it that you can and just know that you're never going to work with that person again because they were super frustrating and not a good client and weren't allowing you to do your job. Yeah, I think that's super worth highlighting because the client is is not a dictator. And yeah. in a way, your role as a designer is to be an advisor. And it's it's totally cool for clients to have ideas. I mean, that's great. If a client has an idea for the project, they should definitely communicate it with you. But ideally, it shouldn't come across as a sort of like 
dictator thing of this is what we need like do this thing I, I'm not yeah, interested exactly in your way. opinion yeah, yeah in exactly this way obviously that is a really frustrating position or, or situation to be in so I guess if, if that is happening to you rather than resorting immediately to just fulfilling their demands try and have a conversation with them about it like just tell them oh can we get on a call to chat about this further I have a few more questions and you can sort of probe them a little bit more about why they want this or how that decision or idea came about and it's totally I think in your like how do you say that I think it's totally acceptable for you to to challenge them on that and perhaps give advice or try and steer them in a different direction if you don't think that it's the best thing for the project in my opinion that that's your job that's what they should be hiring you to do is to a, of course, listen to them and, and hear their ideas out, but B, also sort of advise the project and give your uh, ideas and opinions and bring forward your expertise to make sure that the project heads in the right direction. Yeah, there's. I think it's a total mental mind shift to go from thinking of, oh, that was such a bad client, to thinking I should have handled that differently uh-huh. you know, and taking the blame on yourself. It took me a long time to really understand that and I don't know if we are able to do a great job of explaining it on this podcast, but it's something that we both learned right from the Sean Wes podcast. He talks a lot about how there's no bad clients, only bad designers. And well, I don't think I agree with that statement like fully because there are definitely are some people who are just bad clients and who are impossible to work with. And, you know, you find out too late and you see, don't see the red flags or whatever. But yeah, often cases, it is your fault as the designer when projects break down and communication breaks down, like you didn't communicate your process to the client and they were sitting Mm -hmm. there thinking they would be able to dictate every single pixel when actually that's not how you work. You should have explained that up front to them. Yeah, if they have a bad idea, that's your job to call them out on it, essentially, and make sure that the project ends up in a good direction. Don't just don't just write it off as, oh, that was a bad client. Like if if a project happens like that, which like I said, they definitely will. Maybe the thing you can learn from it is what went wrong in your communication process and how to deal with that better next time. Like if you find that you ended up getting cornered to use this specific color that you just thought was totally wrong and like clashed with the other ones, but the client super insisted on it and loved it, then perhaps you'll learn later on to like, I don't know, create a mood board or some sort of color palette early on so that you can get those talks underway and it's not something happening at the very end close to the deadline where you're forced to go with it. Think about, reflect on the project, I guess, and and where it could have gone wrong and what you could do better next time. And then it kind of makes it worthwhile, right? Yeah, I think it's a lot about taking ownership and taking responsibility. And your job as as the designer or even developer, if, if developers are listening, is to take ownership I think like your your job is not to just fulfill the requests of your client it's to work together you're you're both in this together to create the best solution or get to that sort of end goal and the client of course they probably think they probably have extra expertise in in the area but it's also like you also have to come to the table as well. It's sort of about meeting halfway and working together to reach this end goal. So your opinions are equally, I think, as valid as the client's. Agreed. I just want to talk a bit bit more about this needing money because I think when you're in this stage of like, oh man, I am broke, I just need to make money, like I need to make rent this month, 
it's easy to just take on any small project that comes your way, right? And, you know, $100 here and there and it all adds up or whatever. But obviously it would be better for you and better for your skills as a designer as well to be working on instead of three small projects with $300 one, wait, wait three small projects with $100 each, <laughs> working on one bigger project worth $300, right? Or times that by whatever. So in order to find those bigger projects, you have to like take a little break from the small stuff to be able to, to do the bigger stuff. But it otherwise you're going to get in a situation where you are just, you know, working in these small chunks of time for any little thing that comes in. So it is worth taking the time, like just a little bit of time to be attracting that type of project because it'll help you in the long run. And I know that's really difficult when you're in the moment and you're stressed and you need the money and so you just go for it. But some ideas could be to, when someone contacts you about a small thing, see if you can take a look at the context of the small thing and if you can suggest perhaps some more around it. So like if someone asks you to design an email template, for example, they've got a newsletter they need to send out. Maybe you can offer to then add some social media images that go along with the promotion or whatever it is they're sending out in the email. And that will increase the the value and the, you know, the amount that you'll charge for that project in general. So yeah, look for little ways to do that so that it's less quantity of unportfolio worthy projects that you're working on but each of them is worth more did that sentence make sense at all I I think so (laughs) (laughs) I I think that's super good advice though like is always there's always an opportunity to uh, what's the word like upscale I guess the upsell upsell that sounds sounds better upsell your your skills and what you can provide and sort of expand the brief because I mean often I think with design often clients don't realize or maybe perhaps consider that as as soon as you design for example an email template newsletter that has to be coherent with the rest of the brand in a way right Mm -hmm. and so while you may as a client you think you may just need this fancy new email template like you said you want that to be coherent with your social media imagery and so clients often don't think of it that way as much as we do as designers so there's usually always an opportunity to expand the brief or the scope a little bit Uh, at least I've found like clients come to me being like we need a blog and I'm like okay well you probably also need a website then (laughs) (laughs) so there's always those kind of opportunities and it's worth keeping your your eye out for those and I think it's also also good for you to challenge yourself to think about how could I grow this project or maybe also think about how can I bring in my unique skills into this project and offer something extra is also a really good way to sort of approach that. Yeah because if you're going to be doing a project that's like mainly just for the money you know it's not going to be something you want in your portfolio you might as well be earning the most money possible. (laughs) Right I think another thing that you could do is if you're if you find you're only getting these small projects and maybe for small amounts of money is in your downtime use that time to refine your skills on something that will help you reach those bigger projects like I don't know, maybe you are doing small web design projects and it might be worth your time also learning a little little bit of front-end dev. So that way you could offer not just design but also development as well. And I think that is always a really good way to sort of, you know, refine your skills and learn something new and then eventually you could also turn that into a skill that you can offer as a service. 
Yeah, love it. Should we end by like basically summarizing and giving our advice to Rosvan on what he should do in this situation? Because his question to us is, should I stop taking projects for a while and, and learn better design instead? What would your answer be to that, Fem? I don't think you should stop taking projects. I think you should continue taking projects. Maybe you want to, or maybe it's in your best interest to take less than you usually do to give yourself a little bit of room to refine your own skills, maybe work on a side project that could then turn into a portfolio piece, which could then attract bigger clients or bigger fish or or the right type of clients that you want to work with. That would probably be my advice is to not stop taking on the projects, but maybe take on less. Yep. That's exactly my advice too. I think if you need the money, you need the money and you shouldn't go broke in the pursuit of, you know, just pursuing the side project because sometimes those things do take a while to earn money. So yeah, keep a baseline and make sure you're covering your bills and your rent and things like that and put any spare time you can. You might have to work a little bit harder than usual. You know, that's just a fact to get your skills up to speed so that you can be getting the types of clients you want. But It'll be all be worth it in the end once you're once you're there. It's this growing phase we all have to go through, and yeah, it's worth the time. You will get there, I promise. We've all had yes. to go through it, right? Like I feel, I feel like I went through exactly this same problem as well. Yeah, same. And I feel like it's not something that we talk about often because, you know, when you get further on into your career, like I would never take on a piece of work that I already knew I wasn't going to like at, at the end of it. Like these days, I always work on projects that I think I'm going to like and it just turns out that not all of them are portfolio pieces because I like other ones better or whatever but yeah in the early stages definitely took on loads where I already knew oh well this isn't going to portfolio but hey it's money so I'm going to do it and yeah I don't think designers talk about that enough I feel like Mm -hmm. we seem a bit ashamed about it I guess when we get later on into our careers about you know we're just embarrassed over that early work we did but I think they say that if you're not embarrassed by your early work then you weren't like you haven't grown enough or you haven't tried right. hard enough or something like that. Yeah. yeah I'm really great at remembering improved. quotes, but <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think it's also important to remember that you should only put pieces of work in your portfolio that represent the type of work that you want to do, right? Yeah. Because whatever you put in your portfolio is going to attract other people who are going to want something similar or something within the same sphere so just keep that in mind as well so if you're not proud of something then maybe don't put it in your portfolio and perhaps in that case if if you're looking to fill your portfolio do something a self-initiated project that you know that you will be proud of that you can then put in instead yeah great advice let's end today's show by reading out a message from one of our community members like we said Razvan's in the community so that's where that topic came from it was a great discussion so thank you Razvan for that if anyone else has any questions just before I get into this though you can reach out to us on Twitter we are at designlifefm on there and we always want to hear what you're struggling with what is on your mind at the moment that you'd like to hear us talk about so I have a message from Jasmine in the community and she says As someone who works remotely, I've found the Design Life community to be a great way to connect with folks interested in pursuing cool side projects. While I'm not a full-time designer, I've found the ideas and advice provided here to be a great resource. People here are so welcoming and happy to provide support and advice, and I'm never afraid to ask questions or give thoughts. So that's awesome. Thank you. Thank you for that, Jasmine. So awesome. And can I just say that we have members in the community that come from 
all different backgrounds and levels of experience. Yeah, it's so great. It's amazing. There, We had one member join who's studying aerospace physics or something like that I was like whoa you're so cool yeah whoa you're so cool (laughs) we have people in there who have been freelancing for more than 30 years like there's just such a mix of people in there which I think is so awesome because you get advice from a range of different people and it's just incredibly it's incredibly valuable and if you want to join if that sounds good to you then you can head to designlife.fm slash community it's only nine dollars a month and so it's, a, you know, you'd spend that on a couple of coffees. That's always mm-hmm, the cheesy thing mm-hmm. marketers say, right, when yep. they're talking about their prices. But <laughs> yeah. it's true. <laughs> and if you think you'd like access to this, then head on over and join, as well as this community chat where you can communicate with all these people. You'll also get a dashboard full of resources and you can join our live streams. It's a lot of fun. So much fun. So if you want to join, head to designlife.fm community and we would love to have you as a member. And if you want to listen to all the rest of our episodes, they are available at signlife.fm. And what else do we say at the end of these films? I think that's <laughs> mostly it. Next week, cool. episode 106. We're not sure what we'll be talking about yet, but if you would like us to talk about something in particular, then just send us a tweet and we'll consider it for our next episode. Sounds good. Good chat, Pim. Bye, Charlie. Bye. Bye.